This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Gendron. And I am joined by Mike Gendron, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I am doing good. I, um, you know, I've said it once before, but the offer stands out there for if you or anybody you know, you know, maybe had their team disbanded lately. SAV Racing is always going to offer up 30 racks of beer, specifically Miller Lite, to anybody who would like to uh, join that. So, Steve, I, I mean, I feel like the offer is a good one, and who knows, maybe there's some people out there looking for a team these days. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're taking all free free agents. Anybody's welcome. Um, and we're not joined by Trent Fontanella, who's, uh, who's away, I think, on a vacation. Um, and, Mike, I got a question for you. Sure. Hit me, hit me with it. Does Trent Fontanella take more vacations than anybody else on the face of the planet? I mean, maybe. He was just in Europe, and now he's in a – I mean, I'm not – He was on, like, a lake vacation. He was in Europe. Now he's in, I think, in Acadia. Like, the dude's – the dude, all the guy does is take vacations. I don't even know if he is on vacation. I just – he said he's on va- on Acadia, and he can't talk this week. I don't know what that means. I mean, I guess you don't go to Acadia for anything but vacation. So, Yeah. yeah. I mean, and when we came to New York, he had to leave a day early because he didn't, he couldn't take the the day off. No wonder why he can't take the day off on a Monday because he's taking time everywhere else in the calendar. Yeah, he's burning all of his vacation time. So it's uh we no Trent, we just got the Gendron brothers today, but that's okay. We have a ton we need to talk about and uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff that happened this week. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff to to kind of unpack through the podcast today. Yeah, not a lot happened in the running world this weekend, so I figure we'll probably just break down the whole NFL Sunday or something like that, break down the X's and O's and get into that. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk good. about NFL, so good, this is going to be our this. first football podcast. <laughs> no, yeah, we had some, some pretty big stuff happen. Yeah, yeah, so so kicking off, we're going to talk about the Ineos 159 um, attempt. So this was Iliad Kipchoge's attempt to go under two hours in the marathon so what this was is this isn't a world record it's not necessarily a world record attempt this is just proving that the human body has the capability to go under two hours so it's in a completely sterile environment they rotate pacers in for Iliad I think once every every uh, 5k he gets new pacers and these pacers are like among the world's greatest runners oh, yeah. I mean they had like the Ingebrigtsens were in there. You had Bernard Lagat. You had Matt Centrowitz. I mean, you could go through Chalimo, yeah, Chalimo, like uh, unbelievable runners, kind of pacing him through every single 5K. You had a lead car knocking with a with a wind barrier, so it's taking out wind resistance. And you had like literal lasers projected <laughs> so on cool. the ground to show like where everybody should be standing to get the perfect. Um, protection from the wind resistance it was it was awesome i mean the laser the pictures with the lasers by far the coolest part the, the lasers were the coolest part of the whole thing i mean it made it it made it look we talked about it being like a laboratory setting and all that stuff that made it look like a laboratory setting it was like high tech and all this cool gear and the, the they use that like bright green laser to add it to that part just was really cool every single big city marathon going forward 
the lead car should have lasers just kind of like pointed at the ground in front of the leaders because that looked awesome. Yeah, you don't um, even have to tell us what it means. Just yeah, have yeah, them just, there. And we'll, just we'll have it need something. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Like the, those pictures from behind the runners, behind the pace car, very, very cool. Um, so it was a completely like, you know, flat, um, straightaway kind of oval that they just kind of repeated until it was a marathon. But it was a, so it was a completely sterile environment. Um, taking out all barriers, perfect weather condition, um, everything. Well, that, um, was the, that was one of the craziest parts of it, Steve, is they gave like a week uh, like timeline that they could do this race. It's like, all right, it could happen from this Saturday to this Saturday. We're going to pick the day that looks like it has the best weather. So like, oh, Saturday looks like it's going to be a great day. We're doing the race on Saturday type of thing, which is crazy. Yeah, but it makes sense. I mean, if you're doing this and you're trying to create that kind of perfect like vacuum environment for the yeah. runner – the weather is by far the most important part. So if you get pick a date and be like, okay, we're gonna make this attempt. We're spending all this money. We have this, uh, you know, all these sponsors. We're gonna do it on this date. But there's something off about the weather. You could completely throw the attempt out the window. So Absolutely. giving yourself that week span, kind of bringing all the athletes in for a week, and you can hand pick. You can look ahead at like the, you know, the forecast. You can hand pick the day you're gonna do it on. And you know, if you do it, if you pick a day early enough and you wake up on that day and the weather's shit, then you can push it back later in the week. So, you know, that part's kind of cool. Um, but anyways, went out there. Um, I was completely off on the time. Like <laughs> I assumed, so they kind of gave your whatever time the, the, so it was in Vienna, I was in Vienna, Austria. And um, there was a, there was like Instagram posts. There was all these updates about when the race was going to happen in your local time. And um, I even posted on the Instagram, you know, 2.15 p.m. Eastern Standard. Turns out it was 2 a.m. Um, and I completely missed the race. And, and the funny thing is, is I was up a little late on that night. And I could have, you know, powered through an extra 45 minutes and maybe watched the race. But I woke up, I went to bed, woke up the next morning. I had some stuff to do in the morning. I was going to sit down in the afternoon and watch, you know, the, the 159 attempt. And... You know, I went down, you know, I woke up the next morning and I had my, you know, Instagram, Twitter, everything was blowing up saying that Iliad had broken the two hour barrier. And I was just so angry at myself that I missed this because we were talking like I wasn't excited about the last attempt. So this is the second time they've gone after this attempt. And I wasn't super excited about the last attempt. I was really into this attempt and I really wanted to watch it and I just completely missed it. I I was in the same boat too. And we can't be the only ones who are in that same boat because I was literally <laughs> waking up the next day. I'm like, oh, this is going to be like on my calendar. This is something I'm going to do today. And, you know, as a running podcast, just trying to get people into running. It's like, yeah, I need to start watching these things. I need to be better about watching these things. I woke up the next morning and I, I'm getting, I, already, I already have like an ESPN update, which is crazy that the two-hour marathon had been broken. I thought it was a joke at first. But, yeah, I also completely dropped the ball on that. Um, but, Steve, I mean, is this huge news? Is this breaking news? Is this, you know, national news like it's being uh, being yes. delivered right so, now? So we've even talked about it on earlier podcasts how, you know, the, the first time around, the first time they did this two-hour attempt, it didn't really mean much to me. It wasn't something I was super excited about. And I think – the the main reason for that was is the reason I love running the you know the reason I'm I'm a runner the reason I I watch running is because I like to see the competition aspect I love the competition side of running I could I you know I don't really care as much about the the records and the world records um, so it didn't interest me that much but the more I thought about it and kind of the more that this this event got hyped up 
it did mean it, you know, it did become clear that, you know, a human being physically breaking down this two hour barrier did mean something. They weren't, they weren't claiming that it was a world record. They weren't claiming that it, that it, you know, it was a race. You know, they were saying, this is just proving that a human being has the ability to do this and is kind of breaking down that barrier for people to do it in the future. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And my take on this, when we talked about this over a month ago, I, you know, I kind of went back and forth quite a bit, but my main take was that I think if this happens, which it did, is a good thing for Kipchoge, right? I think the legend of Kipchoge is not necessarily heard widely enough. And I think now, I mean, there's people in my office talking about it this morning when I went into work, people who don't know a thing about running or even really watch sports, but people knew about it. People were talking about it. And I think somebody as legendary as Kipchoge, I mean, he's the GOAT. He's the, the best to have ever done it. Um, now that puts him on the map and really, I think, puts it into terms that people can understand, like how good this guy is. It really helps the general public understand how good this guy is. So I think that's cool. And, and you're right. The idea was not to be a world record. It was to prove that you can get under two. But I, I'm not so sure it's how great it is for the sport. And I kind of touched upon this in, in an earlier episode, too. But it's not a world record. It stinks. And that this is a problem with marathoning in general. And I know it's not a, a perfect solution. But the marathon, there's all these, like, crazy criteria. Not crazy, but there are criteria. It's like the only event where... You have to have all these – you have some of the biggest marathons in the world, you know, some of the major marathons that aren't world record courses, which to me is nuts. And to have this attempt happen, and now we have somebody – we've seen – they couldn't fathom, and they couldn't really understand why it wasn't a world record. And they're like, yeah, I get that you know, it was assisted and all this stuff, but he ran under two hours. Why wouldn't that, why wouldn't that be a world record? And all of a sudden, I feel like it's having the, the, the opposite – uh, you know, effect on people who, who who don't necessarily super get into running because now it's like it, it convolutes it, it makes it crazy, and it it adds to the fact that the the marathon world record is so it's such a niche, interesting thing where it has to be these like has to check all these boxes, which I don't know, kind of waters it down a little bit. Yeah, no, that is interesting. I never thought about. I never, I never thought about it of the perspective that somebody that that doesn't know about, you know, running at all, that might kind of have that argument, like why isn't this the world record? Yeah. I think anybody that's connected to the sport, even a little bit, you know, knows that knows why this, why this shouldn't be considered uh, a world yeah. record. Um, but to the casual sports fan, and that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to speak to the casual, to the to the sports fan that wants to get into running a little bit. So I see how kind of the casual sports fan might think that, oh well, if somebody covered the 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 distance yeah. of a marathon in in less than two hours, that's that's the new record. Um, so yeah, so that that is, I I think I do think that is a problem. But I I will say that you know, for me. I think that this is super cool, super impressive, but you know, one of my favorite marathon performances of all time, 2018 uh, Boston Marathon men's winner, Yuki Kawauchi, right? Ran through the, 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 the freezing cold, the slop in the Boston, the wind, just, you know, absolutely miserable conditions out there. Ran the perfect race for that day. He ran a 215, right? So, you know, in, in comparison to other, you know, uh, you know, world-class marathons, other Boston marathons, that's an extremely slow race. But 
for the conditions given, he mm-hmm. was able to power through and win on that day. And that's what it's all about. And I think that's for, for people that are connected to the sport at all, you know, we'll look at something like that and say, well, you know, you no, know, Yuki Kawauchi's um, performance, you know, because he won the race is more impressive than this. I think that this is just something really cool and something interesting for the sport. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. But, and I've touched on this too, but I think it kind of waters it down for when eventually, and it will happen. Somebody mm. will break two in a real marathon. I mean, what was, uh, so this is another thing I want to talk about the reaction after, first of all, the reaction, I mean, Kipchoge was going nuts the entire last hundred meters. The guy looked like he could have run another marathon. And then yeah. you had all these like elites, like parading around him, jumping up and down. The, the celebration was awesome. They showed a clip of his hometown in Kenya and there was just like, thousands and thousands of people in like this little like square going berserk it was wild so that celebration was great but then it's like well what happens when somebody actually breaks two hours in a real marathon and it counts as a world record are we still going to get the same fanfare is it still going to be as cool of a moment and are we stripping that person of that moment who didn't have this you know perfect setting to do it are they i mean they keep making the roger bannister comparison and i don't know if i like that that comparison because I mean, Rogers Bannister did that in a race. Like, he was racing other people. He was on the track, and he won a race, and he just did it under four hours. And Did he? So, no, he didn't. Rogers, he didn't do it on a— No, no, it was a time trial-type atmosphere. He didn't. Uh, so, 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 Mike. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Mike. All right. So, um, I agree with you. This will take away from when somebody does it legit. Not like within like the inner circle of the running community. Everybody in the running community is going to go nuts when it happens and is going to realize it. But to the majority of people paying attention, it will take away some degree when when somebody somebody does it in a for the real deal in a in a real marathon. Um, but this absolutely 100% is a Roger Bannister moment. Roger Roger Bannister was a scientist. He went at it. Like, a, you know, like he looked at the track as his lab and he wanted to, you know, um, he knew that it was humanly possible to do this and he wanted all the conditions to be perfect. He trained himself differently. He studied it differently. He broke the barrier. And then after that, it was just kind of a, a waterfall of, of, you know, a bunch of people after that that were able to to break the four hour barrier. Fair enough. We might see that with, yeah. with this with this um, with this uh, Kipchoge um, 159. So, Yeah. I, I do think that I do think that we have to look at this as a as a Roger Bannister moment. Well, I I, I stand very corrected there. And uh, the other thing to to mention too is when it does get broken, it'll probably be Kipchoge that breaks it. So well, the, the point is probably moot. I mean, the how guy, old is Kipchoge? I, I don't he's even getting, know, but he's getting a little bit older, right? Here, I'm gonna look that up I right mean, now. He clearly doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. I mean, the dude hasn't lost a race since 2013. That's the other thing that's crazy about this guy is not only is he the best in the world and the best to have ever done it, but he is so consistent. You don't see that in marathoning where people come out and every single time they perform, it's amazing. Kipchoge, when he steps on a line, it's going to be amazing. Like that's just a fact. So he's 34 years old. He's got a couple years left. He's got a couple years left, but you know, I don't know. I know you kind of start to turn that corner as a runner, as a as a marathoner, when you start to get to mid late mid you know mid to late thirty. So who knows? He could you know this could be his his. I'm sure he'll I'm sure he'll get another or at least a couple major marathon wins. Um, but this could might be his kind of like final stand as you know leaving his mark on the on the sport. 
All right, so do you want to hear my fun take now? Let's hear it. All right. <clears throat> All right. So before everybody comes at me and, and uh, you know, gives me crap, this is uh, – I'm, I'm in channeling my inner, um, you know, let's run – uh, message forum blogger and in, in, in the in the deep web here or uh, you know I compare this take to the um, the dad who's watching like a NBA game six and his team loses he's like oh yeah yeah of course it's going to a game seven you don't think the NBA's got this rigged of course they want the <laughs> advertising you know what I mean everyone everyone's heard that take before but bear with me here for a second Steve okay <clears throat> let's hear it. it's it's the second run at this and there was quite a bit of hype going into this. You know, mm-hmm. you get all these premier athletes all on the same stage and going it even before the race even happened. You had people talking about no human is limited. No human is almost like he had already broken 159 before the race had even happened. Mm-hmm. And then they dumped millions and millions of dollars into this race. They had these lasers like you were talking about. You you had this huge production. Can you imagine if he didn't break two, Steve? Mm. how how much money would have been wasting <laughs> that many time and oh hey now everybody's talking about these magical shoes that kipchoge is was wearing uh in that race and how that helped him oh huh, i wonder if that's gonna help the sales of those those shoes going forward huh i'm just wondering about that and um you know steve ineos or ineos or whatever the hell it is uh, you know, it's some kind of chemical or oil company. Yeah, oil companies have been corrupt <laughs> in the past. Hmm, I'm just wondering. Uh, I, there's got to be some other ones. You know what I mean? Like if I add um, like one plus five plus nine, it's probably going to give me some uh, Illuminati number or something like that. I, just not my takes. <laughs> not my takes. I'm just throwing it out there that, you know, just my inner conspiracy theory, inner deep web, just throwing it out there. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, shit, man, like, this is, I mean, this is like the, this is the messed up part of our sport right now, is that when, we talked about it last episode, whenever something like this happens, we have to question it, whether, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you hinted at, was it, you know, was there, you know, some type of chemical help, was the, was yeah. the, was the oval loop maybe slightly short, just a little bit short to kind of give that little extra edge. I don't know. Like, I mean, you just have to question it. Like you, yep. you said there was millions and millions of dollars involved just in bringing out, like how many people were there? Like 20 of the world's top athletes mm-hmm. to, to, to pace him. There must've been, you know, fees and just, you know, appearance fees for those guys, you know, um, you know, money to put them up in the, in the best hotels. Like you're right. There was a lot at stake here. There's a lot of stake here, and 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 it, they did it once, like you said, they did it once before, and it failed. And so, I feel like this was kind of a do or die situation for the for yeah. the. Like, I mean, 59 I'm, I'm not I'm not saying Kipchoge is not capable of it. I'm just saying if that course was 26.1 or 26.0, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Hell, I was asleep at two in the morning. And Steve, you bring up a good point there, right? I mean, in this day and age, and we touched upon it last last episode. But every time something like this comes up, you know, the topic is going to come up. We talked about it last episode. You know what I'm talking about, right? Of course. I'm talking about the feed.com. Oh! Okay, the feed.com is an online sports nutrition vendor and the number one resource for athletes. The feed offers everything you need for training, racing, recovering, sleep, anti-aging, weight loss. And heck, the feed even carries products that can help you cure a hangover after you break 159 on a short course. 
The feed carries over 200 <laughs> brands of the, of the sport's best recovery products and supplements, whether you're looking for hydration products, gels, energy bars, foam rollers, CBD products, or quality supplements. The feed carries it all. Brands like Meritin, Goo, Honey, Honey Stinger, Cliff Bar, Infinite, RX Bars, Vital Fit, all of your favorite brands are available at the feed. Go to thefeed.com, use promo code P2E15 to get 15% off of your order right now. Uh, quick, quick, quick sidebar. Oh, first off, love the feed. You know, I, I just, I, I re-upped everything I got last time on the feed. I, I ran out of noon. I got some, uh, hey, Mike, have you ever had those waffles, like the, the Honey Stinger <laughs> waffles and, the, and those things? I have since I ordered them on the feed. They're delicious. I bought like 10. Those things are absolutely delicious. I, I, I mean, they're, I eat them for a snack. Like they're, they're amazing. Um, so go to the feed, use promo code P2E15, help us out, help the feed out. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a great website. Um, but anyways, back to my original thought, where did, where did, um, Kipchoge run his, his personal best? So he, he, he ran the, he ran the world record in Berlin in 2018 20139. So um, I got some interesting, just, you know, I don't know if we want to spend too much time talking about this, but I, I got some interesting information about somebody who just ran Berlin this year and who had ran London last year and has run, you know, a lot of different, uh, you know, big city marathons. And he was talking about London, how last year, like everybody gets blood tested, you know, um, you know, the, the, the drug testing was just kind of a major conversation throughout the entire, entire weekend. Like it was, it was obvious that they were trying to make the sport extremely clean and they were trying to make it a very, very clean race. He said in Berlin, when he ran this year, drug tests, drug testing didn't come up once. Really? Yeah. And this guy, this guy was a, this guy was a, I think he was a 213 marathoner. So an elite guy, right? Like, you know, no hopes of winning the race, but just somebody that's been in the elite corral, in, in the elite corral, you know, a lot of big city marathons, just ran Berlin. I just thought it was super interesting. And, you know, I mean, what is the takeaway for that? I'm not even, my takeaway from that is Berlin is just like, do whatever the hell you got to do. We want this to be the fastest marathon. Yeah, give us, in give us the, the best world. product in the, yeah. He said okay. that they had they had um they had markers for every it was like every 800. So you you knew like if you were clicking off your pace, you knew where you stood every half mile. Oh my goodness. So I I don't know. Like so I mean it, since we're on the topic of questioning things, mm. like I think we absolutely 100% need to question question whatever's going on in Berlin and whatever times come out of Berlin. I just okay. thought that was super interesting. Sounds like I need to go run my next marathon in Berlin. Yeah. Anyways, that's just something we didn't plan to talk about that. That's something I just remembered and I thought it was important to bring up. So So speaking of fast marathons, Steve, I, I, it's so ridiculous because I feel like there was so much news this week that we're kind of burying the lead almost. Like a world record went down this weekend. The same record, the same weekend as this 159 stuff. Oh, the women's marathon world record went down. It was a, uh, I'm gonna completely mess up her name, but Bridget Coe's guy. She ran 214.04. Lazy. Chicago. Yeah, I mean, she didn't just break the world record. She smoked the world record. I think she broke it by like two minutes or something like that, which is crazy. 
And and any other like weekend, this would be the headline running news story, but it completely got buried. Yeah. And also out of the Chicago Marathon, Lawrence Chirono with another win. He was, he also won at Boston, and he won in almost an identical fashion to the way he won in Boston. Steve, he's addicted to that finishing kick. He got a little taste of it in Boston where he was coming down with like three or four people, and he had that finishing kick, and it was so exciting, and I think he just needs more of it. He was just waiting around the entire race to do it again. It was like the exact same race. I've never seen an exciting as exciting a race as we did in Boston, and then he just replicated it here in Chicago. It was awesome. He's like, he he's one of my new favorite marathoners. He's just, yeah. the dude's electric every time he gets on the race course. And again, bearing the lead, but like back-to-back marathons for Lawrence Sharono, Boston and Chicago, that's two huge wins back-to-back. I mean, again, in a, in a week that Kipchoge didn't run 159, that would be a huge story. Yeah. Well, um, I, I be, be you know I do think that there you can't have a more demoralizing loss in any sport in any event in the entire world than coming 26.2 miles and getting out kicked at the finish line. Can you imagine that? It would be horrible. I, I mean to think about like how small a second is over a two-hour and five-minute race, 26 miles, how small that that one second feels. I mean, that I, I don't know how you recover from that, especially if it's like, you know, maybe one of those guys, I'm sure a couple of the guys that were in the in the heat of it at the end there had never won a major championship before, and they're, they're right there. They can taste it, and they, they miss it by less than a second. I mean, yeah, I don't know how you get over that. Mike? You know, this is, you know, I, I, I was going to say something, but I just kind of had to pat myself on the back because I know I'm getting good at this podcasting thing. How about this for a transition? So, uh, it, you know, with all this talk about kicking and everything, I actually watched the uh, the Duel in the Sun video from the Boston Marathon between Alberto Salazar and Dick Beardsley. One of the most, well, probably one of the coolest videos you can watch in the sport of running. And those guys battled for the second half of the Boston Marathon, just kind of going back and forth, back and forth, and super, like on a super hot day at the Boston Marathon. And it kind of came down to the, you know, last stretch at Boston. At the time, that was the closest finish in a in a big city marathon of all time. But now we're just getting all these kicks and these close finishes at the, you know, at the finish line of all these big name marathons. Um, so it's been, it's crazy to see kind of how the sport has evolved over the years. It is. And I think we're going to keep seeing them because, like I said, Lawrence Toronto is addicted to finishing kicks at marathons. But you were talking speaking about— Alberto, you, Speaking of Alberto <laughs> Salazar. I was about to say, you were talking about a, a transition there. Did something else happen? In the, there's no way that the women's marathon record went down by a, a huge margin that a male marathoner ran 159 and something else happened in the sport of running this week steve it just didn't it doesn't work like that you wouldn't even know you wouldn't even know that the women's world record went down this weekend you wouldn't even know that you had the most electric finish uh you know one of the most electric finishes on in the on the men's side of all time because the headline story is that the three alberto salazar athletes galen rupp mo farah jordan hase galen rupp dropped out Mofara had his worst worst finish in a marathon ever, and Jordan Hase 
dropped out as well. And of course, if you listen to our our, our last episode, we went in depth on uh, on the the uh, Alberto Salazar suspension under uh, uh, essentially cheating for for performance enhancing um, drugs. Yeah, I mean, is there some? Th- I I don't even know what the what the tie to those three runners is here like what what do we what do we draw is it like the distractions now have have well, become so, so obscene so, that it's you know affecting their running or like what what are we pulling from i mean it's an interesting point that the three runners the three huge name nop runners and those are no like joke runners i mean galen rupp is one of the top american marathoners jordan Hassey is like the top american marathoner and mo farah is a legend to the game like those are huge names and the common the common thread is their heavy ties to Alberto Salazar and their horrible races this past weekend. Yeah, so I mean we kind of hinted at it last week that you know we thought it was pretty obvious like who the who the athletes affected you know most or who the athletes that were probably tied closest to Alberto Salazar were and these are definitely three of those of those athletes. Oh yeah. Um, and, you know, as we also talked, so I'm going to take this. And so this is the headline. This is the headline that three athletes tied very, very closely to the coaching of Alberto Salazar and three athletes that after the suspension all had really terrible races. Now, I'm here to tell you that I'm not going to say that these three athletes are clean and they weren't involved in this, but I'm here to tell you that this, these headlines are very convenient and I think the scrutiny that you're looking at this isn't necessarily right because the Alberto Salazar scandal has been happening. The investigation has been happening for four years. So the the suspension came down uh, just a month ago. Doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that they found out about this a month ago and they had to stop yeah. whatever they were doing a month ago. They, it would have stopped and it would have come down. It would have come down, you know, um, uh, uh, years ago, and all three of these athletes have had success on the world stage within right. the past year. I mean, Jordan Hase, um, uh, Jordan Hase, she had her the the greatest debut of a pro and a marathoner ever just at Boston this past spring. Mo Farah, multiple time medalist. They call him Sir Mo from England. <laughs> Literally one of the greatest runners of all time. Has had tons of success. Galen Rupp bronze medalist at the Olympics in 2016. So it's not like you can point to the suspension and that's when the drugs or the doping stopped after that. So I think that's a little misleading. And you also have to look at what happened out there. Jordan Hase, probably the most questionable of it. I do think that she was under extreme pressure since this uh, this Alberto Salazar news came out. I mean, she she was interviewed last week and she was like, I saw an interview where she was like, she was so shooken. She doesn't. She didn't know what to say. And so, like something like this, I do think, really, really affected her out there. I think it affected all three of them to a certain degree. Galen Rupp just coming off of Achilles surgery. He he was on 204 pace for the majority of the race. Had to drop out at two at 23 miles because his Achilles was bothering him, and he wasn't going to win the, win the race. So he decided not to push it through the last 5K. Mo Farah. Probably the misleading, most misleading headline out of all of this. I saw the headline, Mo Farah, slowest, slowest marathon time ever that he's ever run. 
Dude ran a 2.09 marathon, okay? <laughs> he ran less than a minute off his last marathon, okay? So I'm not saying I'm not saying that these three athletes didn't aren't affected by the Salazar news. I'm not saying that they're not directly connected to Salazar, but you do have to look at what is what is being said here, and you have to be you kind of have to you know kind of weed through the headlines a little bit to really understand what's going on here. I uh, what I was gonna say there, Steve, is. You saying uh, Galen Rupp was on 204 pace and dropped out with like a 5k to go because he wasn't going to win seems like the most Galen Rupp news. Yeah, that, of course. That I'm ever not was. saying I like it. And, and, and I think it's funny that we find ourselves, you know, defending Alberto Salazar and defending Galen Rupp because those are the two people that I have spent a lot of time talking a lot of smack about and don't don't necessarily care for all that much. But I mean, I think. If anybody thinks that that's how, like, these performance-enhancing drugs work, that you just, like, you know, okay, if, if if that's how it worked where you stopped taking them, the suspensions was drawn out, like, a week or two ago, and then all of a sudden you just, like, suck at running. Yeah. Like, that's not how it works. So, yeah, I mean, if you actually think that that's what the results are, I mean, I think the clear, if there is any correlation, who knows, maybe it's just a coincidence that the three of them didn't have, have, a, have a good day. But if you're going to draw any correlation, it's the fact that, they're under an immense amount of stress right now. I mean, they're getting pressure from the entire running community. They are under siege right now. And, you know, the they have the entire running world assuming that they're cheaters. And if you're not, or you are, either way, I mean, that takes a toll on a person. And I think, we, I think you're crazy to think that your personal life and the stuff that you have going on in your world and the stressors in your life doesn't affect you as a runner. I mean, we've all felt that. And these are probably the, you know, the the biggest accusations ever made to these athletes in their entire lives. And I think if there's any, you know, correlation, that's it. Not that they just like, oh, a week ago we stopped taking drugs and now we can't finish marathons. Yeah. I mean, and we've talked about it with almost every single athlete that we've had on to interview that, you know, the balance of your physical health and mental health is those two things combined are what allows you to run a fast race, especially in the marathon. You need to have everything in your life together. You need to be there mentally. You need to be there physically. You need to, we talked about earlier in the show. You need to have good conditions. Like you need to have the winner. Like you just everything in your life needs to kind of click to have that magic out there in, in the marathon. And Mike, you're right. I never thought, I never, never thought I would be in a position where I'd be on a <laughs> podcast with a microphone in my face defending Alberto Salazar and Galen Rupp. These have been like two people I've looked at as villains in the sport for 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 a long time. Mm-hmm. But like our sport is under attack and like I think that there's a there's a lot of false news out there and we we talked about on last podcast like I still think there's a very good chance that the Alberto Salazar ban is going to get overturned. Like I really do think that that's a there's a there's it's more likely that it will get overturned than it's upheld. And so it's like you're you're these guys are easy targets right now and it's like you know none of them have none of them have had you know been popped for you know positive drug tests and like you know yes albert we yes alberto salazar is getting is getting the ban for towing the line maybe crossing over it a little bit there hasn't been any anything egregious that any of these guys have been guilty of yet we have to look through the head we have to kind of you know look past the headlines and actually read the articles and understand what is actually happening here. Agreed. Have you seen that um, 
Matt Centrowitz, who is also formally uh, tied to NLP and Alberto Salazar on his Instagram stories of lately, has just been like taking pictures of every time he gets drug tested and putting on stories like, yeah. oh, fourth time this week, and he like has his, you know, takes a picture of his pee cup and stuff like that. So I don't know. There's just a lot of like activity going on with people, you know, trying to trying to make light of the situation, trying to like prove their innocence. And I think his point is like, listen. I got drug tested four times this week. Like, what else do you want me to do? Like, how, what what else can I say to you, uh, you know, to prove myself? Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's such a weird it's such a weird position. I mean, I mean, I don't want I don't want this sport to become what cycling was in the '90s, where you know cycling was you know it, 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 people like that didn't care about cycling or never even like you know rode you know, rode a, a road bike ever in their life were caring about Lance Armstrong and watching the Tour de France. I was into the Tour de France. I never even, I never even like knew about competitive cycling. And I was watching the Tour de France in the, in the 90s because it was exciting. It was like, it was a sport on the rise. And then it's just completely got torn down and absolutely decimated um, by the, by the do- doping and the drug scandal, because it just turned into this situation where everybody was trying to outdo each other with their drugs and I don't think that's what we have here in running, but you know the core of public opinion is going to sway that way unless like people start paying attention to the truth. Yeah. On a, on another note, some other people's Instagram stories, Steve, in the uh, running world. There's some uh, there's some athletes out there who are you know on their two week break and uh, seem to be enjoying it a little bit. So we saw our boy uh, Craig Engels getting his mullet ripped on off any, by <laughs> on any other week this would be the lead story no we would have talked about that <laughs> right off the bat <laughs> yeah he was on sam parsons instagram story getting his mullet cut off clean shaven craig angles with his mullet getting cut off and and i think i think their hotel room before they went out partying for the night but you know those two i guess were partying in croatia and man I don't think anybody has had a better off season than those two guys. They looked like the best. I mean, I was just like following along via the Instagram stories. That that they looked like they were having the time of their life. We we talk about you know the taper season, championship season. They are in full bender season right now, and they are an example of exactly how you should be spending your bender season. I mean, they got. I mean, they're obviously you know championship caliber athletes. They got all the training down, but you know, you, you really get the uh, the full-fledged athlete, the well-rounded athlete when you see them dominating at all three stages, including the, the bender season. So it was fun to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, they were like, there was like one picture of like, I remember I remember opening up Instagram story last week and it was like one second Craig would be like checking out of the, the, uh, the store with like two cases of beer. The next thing that they'd be on like a boat in the middle of the water. Next <laughs> thing I saw him, he was like wearing later hose and chugging a beer. Like, man, <laughs> those guys are just, I mean, that, that's how you do it right there. So, um, you know, maybe we can get, uh, maybe we can get one of those two guys on to kind of give us some details about, uh, about cutting off the mullet. Yeah. I want, I want a podcast interview with one of those two, nothing to do with the running. I don't even want to, we, you know, the, the last couple of weeks of of running have really forced us to like really delve deep into like nerdy running news and like get into it. So I need to like shake off all this nerdy runningness and get a, a nice cleanser. yeah a palate cleanser with one of them and literally just talk about their bender season for the entire episode. No running involved.
maybe we do that. Maybe we reach <laughs> out to both of them when we have them on just to recap Bender's. I would love it. I would love it. That'd be fucking awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's make a promise to the listeners right now. Let's not talk about drugs or drug testing at all next episode. Yes, I want the zero next drugs. Three episodes. We won't even mention it, okay? Because the past two episodes have been, I think, I think they've been interesting. I think we've, I think they've both been really good episodes. But you know, I'm done talking about this. You know, I'm, I'm sick of talking about. It. Let's move on to the next topic. Let's, Agreed. let's get back, let's get back to the roots of what P2E is. It's all about, you know, it's all about <laughs> working hard, training hard, racing hard, and then having a good time after you race hard. Yeah, Steve, it's cross country season. <laughs> we we gotta start talking about cross country. Yeah, we've been talking about cross country season <laughs> friggin' three months now. I said I, I think I think the episode after NCAA outdoors I was like all right boys it's cross country season this is this is what we do it for you know none of this running around in a circle crap let's get to the real sport you're like oh well, we got USA's coming up. I was like all right yeah that's right we got to get into USA's and it's like oh we got worlds coming up. all right yeah we got to get into the worlds but now you now know, it's we got season and yeah <laughs> I mean it's uh, we've talked about this before but I've just been shocked at how nonstop the running world is. Now that we started following the running world, it's like every weekend there's something and there's huge news to talk about. And it just never stops. And the, the one topic that we've been wanting to talk about, bro, and I've been following the rankings a little bit and not a whole lot has changed. It, it's too early in the season. Things really haven't unfolded. I know we got pre-nats coming up, I think next weekend. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's going to start getting interesting, but just like it's nonstop. There's, there's something to talk about every weekend. Yeah. No, it's it's let's let's get into pre-nats next week. Let's you know let's let's do our homework, see where our teams are, where they're ranking, and we're we're all in, we're all in on cross country season starting next episode. Um, so you and I, Mike and I, we got a race coming up this weekend. Oh baby, we do. So we're running the Bay State Half Marathon Relay. So we're each gonna run about six and a half miles. Um, Mike's going to run the first leg. I'm going to run the second leg, but this was kind of at, you know, at the beginning, early this spring, you know, we, you know, we wanted to get back in shape. We kind of needed a goal race, something to kind of strive for to just kind of, you know, start from scratch and get back into it. So I've been training all summer. Mike's been training part of the summer. <laughs> I, I, listen, listen, Steve, our goal is to win this race. I'm going to put you in a great position to win this race. That's all, right. all I can say. You know, we're going to take times completely out of this. Who cares about times? I, didn't see I, that. I don't think that's possible. I, I, I can I can promise you I'm going to put you in a good position to win this race. And that, that that's what we do here on the Peak Tour Early Podcast. You know what I mean? We we run to win. And that's what I'm going to do on, on Sunday. So if anybody is around the Lowell, Massachusetts area this Sunday and you want to come out and you want to cheer us on, I'll buy you a beer afterwards. So yeah, I think we're going to. If anybody wants to, uh, you know, those magic shoes that anybody, the, the whole running world's been talking about, if you want to get me a pair of those, maybe that takes some time off. Uh, Alberto, if you're listening, if you want to hook me up with uh, any special, uh, you know, any of the special candies that you feed your runners, you can hook me up with that. Anything that will help me help Steve on Sunday would be much appreciated. Thanks. Yeah. Do you think it's too late to do a cycle? Oh, definitely not. Let's. I mean, <laughs> it can't hurt at this point. Oh, you know what? I got some beta alanine. I'll start chugging that. I just need to, yeah, pound that. Take like a pound of it. <laughs> All right. On that, Mike, what do you have for people on the bell app? So I promised that at the beginning of the episode that we're going to break down a little X's and O's of uh, some football. 
and we need to get away from the running world a little bit. I need to talk a little football. I need to vent here. Um, our offense for the Patriots, Steve, not look good. But here's why I'm not worried. Here's why I'm not worried. Because the Patriots of late have been doing this thing where they start slow. And then towards the end of the season are like at prime time. And they're they're killing it. And our defense, I know we have, oh, people say, oh, you haven't played anybody. I know we haven't played anybody good yet. But this defense is for real, okay? And once our offense starts stride, I mean, I, I'm thinking I might walk into work tomorrow and put in a day of leave for the day after the Super Bowl. I'm thinking I might do it. I know it's early. Usually I wait. Usually I wait until a game where I'm like, okay, we just won the Super Bowl. But I think I'm going to go do it tomorrow. Mike, I did it a month ago. I know, but it's more of a symbolic thing for me. I know I'm going to take it off no matter what. Oh, it's a symbolic thing for me too. I'm (laughs) I'm a Seattle-based company. You know, first week of the football season, every single year, I take <laughs> off the uh, Super Bowl Monday, the day after Sunday. You know, or the day the day after Super, the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday, I take that Monday off every single year. Because chances are, more often than not, it's going to be the best day of the year for me. It's true. It's very. And that's true. the beautiful thing about being a Patriots fan. That's right. Um, other than that, guys, Mike hooked it up. <laughs> We're finally on Spotify now. Um, right. I know. Uh, for you non-iPhone users, and even for you iPhone users, if you want to shoot, you know, switch over to SoundCloud, I, I mean, to, to Spotify. I know SoundCloud can be a little tricky to use, but we're on Spotify now, so um, you know, go find us there. You know, if you're not following us on Instagram, do that at Peak Too Early Pod on Instagram. Mike, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Hit me with the joke. They're doing the opposite of everything that the Patriots have said, like, this is how you build a dominant team in the NFL. They're doing the exact opposite of it. So please, please bring in Jalen Ramsey. They traded 2020 first-round pick, 2021 first-round pick, and a fourth-round pick in 2020. Good, good. And I am willing to take the break that we are on the brink of. My cup is on the table. I love a spirit.